Alrighty, good morning, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, and August has arrived. Wiz, we completed all of those uh, team capsules. They're there for everybody to see and, and go through. So uh, I think there's a lot of excellent insight there um, that people can really work on their formula for success for the 2021 fantasy season. And um, look, there's a lot of stuff going on each and every day. We have our first uh, preseason game this week. I know uh, we don't care too much about preseason, especially the Hall of Fame game, but Dallas and and Pittsburgh will tangle. And we're going to get a double ceremony this weekend because uh, we didn't have one last year. So lots of good things happening in football, Wiz. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing, doing well. I think since the last time we... Uh... We did a podcast, I think, uh, some, uh, you know, puck news regarding on the injury front once again. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, is going to apparently miss some time, and nobody's quite sure how much. I think the timetable right now is he could be ready for week one, or he can miss maybe the first five or six weeks of the season, uh, depending on the injury. So we'll have to see if the Colts, Sign a quarterback, make a trade for a quarterback, uh, wait for the, you know, who who gets dropped, who doesn't make their 50-man, three-man rosters for each team, and do something. And then uh, yesterday, uh, uh, it appears Matt Stafford uh, in in practice uh, hit a helmet on a throw and left the field holding his thumb, and he's had issues with his throwing thumb. And uh, as we're speaking right now on – Tuesday morning, I think the Rams are kind of holding their breath on what the results are going to be. So uh, it may just be August, the beginning of August, but there are, you know, uh, every day it seems to be some kind of uh, newsworthy uh, thing happening as far as uh, the NFL is concerned. Yeah, and I think, you know, in some, I, I mean, I know people that have conducted drafts already. I really think that is, you know, again, everybody's can make the choice of what they want to do. I'm not in favor of doing early drafts for for reasons like you're talking about right now. There's a big impact. I don't see why you can't wait until the last week of August, first week of September. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, But, you know, everybody's got their own way of doing things. Uh, But, again, not my my personal cup of tea. Um, You know, I think on the the Wednesday, I think you make a good point. Uh, At this point, there are players that could get cut, uh, veteran quarterbacks. So I think they'll watch. And it's really going to be on the dependent um, process in in which Carson Wentz is going through uh, in, in his healing. So I, I will be watching that closely. Five to 12 weeks is definitely the time frame that's given. I've seen uh, Nick Foles' name floated again. In fact, Nick Foles even talked about it in, in, a, uh, in a press conference uh, a couple of days ago. So, uh, and, uh, and, of course, Nick Foles has uh, uh, also a line of uh, uh, with, with Frank Reich having gone to the Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl with him. So something to watch for, uh, no question about it, and how it impacts how people will draft depending on the severity of the injury. You know, the interesting thing about this, Wiz, is that I know you really like Jacob Eason, who who looks like he's the backup quarterback there. Uh, Frank Reich is calling him the starter at this point in time. Big-armed, big dude, University of Washington. And I, and I think you felt that, you know, a couple of years ago, this is uh, when Philip Rivers moved in and they drafted him, and this is before we knew that Wentz would move to Indianapolis. But, you know, you can – you kind of make the argument that this is the heir apparent at the position. So he's going to get an opportunity to shine. Uh, so I think that's something that everybody should watch, particularly in, in dynasty leagues. Um, and on the, on, on the flip side, you talk about Stafford and, you know, I, I, I actually felt 
coming into as things have kind of moved along here, uh, especially with the Cam Akers injury, I feel that the Rams are going to lean on Matt Stafford in this passing game a lot more. So I agree, holding your breath is definitely something that the Rams and the Ram faithful are going to be doing uh, over the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, the Foles thing is interesting. Um, you know, he they probably wouldn't have to <clears throat> give up a lot to get him. Uh, I don't know what that would do to the psyche of Carson Wentz, considering he went through this uh, movie before and he, you know, uh, got hurt and then Foles came in there and the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And so there are a lot of moving, <clears throat> a lot of moving parts to it in the uh and as you mentioned, the Rams situation with Matt Stafford is something uh, to keep an eye on over the next day or two. Yeah, I, I did not like that, and I know he has, he has banged that thumb before, and it's very easy to have a situation where you have a hairline fracture in your thumb when you bang your head on a helmet. So so we'll, we will be watching that very, very closely. So so that's that. But we, we want to kind of move along here. Uh, we did a podcast the other day. We talked about the impact of, of Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, Mike Thomas, and Deshaun Watson. So that's out there now for our listeners to get, uh, take hold of. Uh, but in this one, we're kind of kind of talk about some things that we've kind of been pulling at maybe for our decision making. I know, you know, you and I are looking at this stuff each and every day. That's not the case with everyone. We know Jimmy O is not doing that such a thing. You don't want to be a Jimmy O just to remind everybody. You don't want to start picking up things last week of August. That's not the way the process works. Um, but you know, each and every day we're looking at things and yeah, there, there are things that are confusing me. Uh, I'm changing my opinions on things. And, and I guess you feel the same way as kind of you know, some, some, some way you want the direction of this podcast to go and kind of things that are kind of vexing you at the moment. Yeah, what I thought would be an interesting podcast is, uh, you know, things that I'm finding uh, a difficulty with uh, as it heads, you know, into the season from a fantasy football perspective and uh, uh, talk about that, the things that I'm looking at and the things that you're looking at and uh, and how, you know, we we, we, we see these things. And uh, I guess I'll start off. Uh, and I, I have, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there are two positions and with two different groups of players that I'm having, um, you know, it's difficult as far as I'm concerned, at least, because I'm talking about this group of quarterbacks and uh, I'm not going to put Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen or the two veteran guys, Brady or Aaron Rodgers into this uh, group. But I'm going to talk about these five quarterbacks who are ranked Anywhere from quarterback two or three down to like maybe quarterback eight or ten. And I'm talking about Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Drew Prescott. I'm sorry, uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Justin Herbert. And the thing that I find interesting about these group, this group of players is I think any one of these five quarterbacks can win the MVP award. I mean, um, Lamar Jackson has won the MVP award last year. Uh, the first half of the season, Russ Wilson was on his way to winning it. Dak Prescott looked like he was on his way to all kinds of passing records. Justin Herbert was fabulous his rookie year. And uh, Kyler Murray is, is, is a dynamic quarterback who brings, uh, you know, an offense where they're going to throw the ball a lot, and he brings his running game to the table as well. So I'm having a difficulty breaking this down, and I don't want to be 
caught in a situation where I take the wrong guy out of this group because the upside is MVP for any one of these five quarterbacks. The downside is outside of the top 10 or 12 at the position. Uh, it can happen um, because of a myriad of things. But one of them is several of these guys like to run with the ball they can, you know, that that's always more of an injury, a risk injury, especially when there are design runs like there are. And the thing with Justin Herbert, now they, you know, opposing teams have a year of film under their belt. So this is what I'm looking at. I think you have these five quarterbacks where any one of them can contend and win the MVP award, but there's some downside and for different reasons, um, you know, will Russ Wilson, um, continue and have the poor second half that he had last year? Will that carry over? Dak Prescott, is he going to bring his full arsenal? Is he going to still be able to run the ball and and, and score those rushing touchdowns coming off that injury? Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray both were hurt at times last year. Um, and, and, and Justin Herbert, like I said, with the, with the year of film for the opposing teams to look at, is he going to progress or is there probably going to, or, or could there be some sort of uh, a little bit of, of of fallback in his, you know, with his stats this year? So that's what I'm looking at. How do you feel about that group? And um, you know, are you having similar issues, or do you kind of see that situation a little bit more clearly? No, I no, I don't see it clearly. Uh, I, I like the group of players because I think they are that kind of next group of quarterbacks after the players that you mentioned. It, it will be interesting um, because I think there are some folks out there and just in speaking to people that feel that Rodgers is destined to underperform the numbers that he put up last year, like without question. So t- to your point, it, very easy to see one of these guys that you mentioned kind of slip into that group uh, that you're talking about. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned Prescott, who last year, what he was doing in the first four and a half weeks of the season, a lousy defense. So it definitely made it necessary for Dallas Cowboys to play a, a very, very big passing game early in the season. So a lot of merits there. I would argue that Kyla Murray was probably right down the neck of Russell Wilson in the first half of the season uh, in, in terms of fantasy success. The numbers were astounding. That injury set him back. Uh, we've talked a lot about Wilson, and you know how I feel about Wilson. Um, in my personal view is that's a player that needs to continue to they need to they need him to do what he does. Uh, let him cook. And I I don't understand the, the the direction that they took last year and what it meant for the team. But but there will be question marks as a result of it. And you mentioned you mentioned Jackson. Jackson's a guy I probably have the least amount of confidence as a passing quarterback amongst that group. Um, so that that's the one thing I would say to that. And I think they have two dynamic rushers, different type of rushers in Dobbins and Edwards. And Edwards is a very underrated player when it comes to draft day. Uh, and, and then you talk about Herbert. Now, it, it was interesting to look at his second games against division opponents last year because he did play each of those division opponents after starting against them early in the year. And there was really no back down from what he did early in the season against these teams to what he did now. But granted, yes, you have a lot more film to look at. Uh, I, I think... If you look at that group, Herbert's probably got the most upside. I, I like a couple of those young down-the-field receivers, big arm. I think his running game is very akin to what Dak Prescott does, i.e. doesn't run for, you know, he's not running for 500, 600 yards, but he'll pick up anywhere between 250 to 350 yards 
And certainly has a nose for the end zone uh, in, in terms of rushing. I think last year he had three or four rushing touchdowns. So it, it's a group that I have clarity. I think I think the last two guys I mentioned who don't run the football as much, Herbert and Prescott, I kind of know their games a little bit more. I'm a little bit more comfortable with them. And, and to me, Kyler Murray's injury was the thing that really set him back. If you were to ask me amongst that group of the players that I have the most confidence in, my answer would be Kyler Murray. Uh, I just think the offensive talent that they've assembled there, um, I know the injury set him back. I'm not, I'm not guessing he's going to run as much, but what he was doing early in the season was pretty dominant last year. Uh, so amongst that group, I, I would put Murray at the lead. I feel Prescott and and Herbert are probably more consistent within that group. I think it's a little bit harder because you don't know how gameplay is going to work out when it comes to Seattle. And we don't, we and both you and I don't really trust Pete Carroll and what he says. And Lamar Jackson, like I said, I don't, I'm not a believer in Lamar Jackson, the passer. That, that's what I would say about that particular group. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think it's a group where the ceiling is sky high. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and for some of these guys, the floor is pretty good. But there is a trap floor door for some of these, you know, guys in this group. <clears throat> and you mentioned Lamar Jackson. And I just think a lot of it hinges on, you know, what separates these guys is their willingness to run and score rushing touchdowns uh, because Lamar Jackson is not going to be averaging 300 yards passing game. So if he is not, excuse me, if he's not running for touchdowns and, and rushing yards and design runs, uh, you know, he could fall back as far as, uh, you know, the, the the group of quarterbacks and quarterback one. So that's that's the first group that I'm having difficulty with. Why don't you talk about what you're looking at? Uh, yeah, the, the thing I'm having, uh, it's not really difficult in, in my eyes. Um, I, I'm actually trying to understand what's going through other people's minds. Uh, I'm having trouble, and I feel like we're setting ourselves for the same type of situation here. Uh, the, the ranking and the way Najee Harris is moving up draft boards, it feels a lot like... Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I know they're different type of players, slightly different type of players. They're certainly on different football teams, uh, different strengths of those football teams. But I can't help but think the way I hear the discussions around Harris and what was going on with with, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year, I feel like we may be watching the same type of story unfolding. I don't trust the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. I don't trust the 39-year-old quarterback. Uh, I know there's a new offensive coordinator. I know Mike Tomlin's never had a losing year. Uh, that division is a lot better, uh, but I don't know. Feels to me, uh, I, I am I am struggling with the ranking of Najee Harris and thinking that we may be watching a replay of what happens to to Clyde Edwards-Helaire last year. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it just seems like every time around this year, there seems to be a rookie at some position uh, that people are raving about, and uh, you know, the path to getting carries, which is you know, uh, at least half the battle is clearly there for Najee Harris, uh, you know, uh, to be even a, a three down back. So I, I could see it. Uh, I know in snake drafts, he's being taken in the second round. Is that, is that right? Have you any, have you done any mock snake drafts yet? Uh, yeah, I've done a couple, uh, but it's, it's a, I've seen him taken as high as, as 12th or 11th or 12th. He has moved into the first round in some people's drafts. Yeah, I think that's that. You know, that's that's high to take that player. <clears throat> I think you know somewhere in the second round or 
third round, depending on uh, the rules of your league and, and, and that sort of thing uh, seems to, you know, make more sense. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was getting to the point where uh, uh, people like Peter King and uh, Louis Riddick were saying take him as your number one overall player, uh, which was preposterous. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, you always have these players that, you know, and we're going we're gonna to do a podcast especially about that, about moving up and down. Uh, the rankings, and it seems like Najee Harris is one of these guys that is just uh, moving steadily up the rankings. Yeah, and, and, yeah de- most definitely. So uh, I actually want to go back to quarterback one second, Wiz, because, um, because it's going to impact, because there's, there's, there's a handful of situations where we don't know exactly how quarterback's going to play out and how you're thinking about it. So I, I'm, I'm struggling to rank players in those offenses until – I really get clarity what's going to happen. I'm talking about New Orleans. I'm talking about Chicago. I'm talking about New England. And I'm talking about San Francisco and how it affects the personnel there. So I'm inclined right now to be on hold on offensive players from those teams until I get a little bit more clarity about the quarterback position. Am I wise to be doing that? Or do I do I have some validity in that thought process? No, I, I think I, I, you know, I think I think it, it goes back to what we talked about when we when we did uh, the, the capsules about these teams, and uh, I, I just feel the best way to handle that is the old mix and match routine. And uh, if you're going to take one of these players like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields or you know a Mac Jones or even Zach Wilson. Um, that you need to have a sure, a steady guy as your number one. Try not to take two volatile quarterbacks. I know I mentioned Carson Wentz. I think many people are going to be taking him as their number one quarterback. But like, you don't want a Carson Wentz and a Trey Lance or Carson Wentz and a Justin Fields or a Fitzpatrick. You want to get a steady guy, a Ryan Tannehill type of guy. Um, as your number one, and then, you know, mix and match them. I think you have to put realistic expectations on some of these rookie quarterbacks. I mean, Trey Lance, I think that the outcome for him this year is, is, is wild. I think he could be starting as early as one of the first few games, or he could sit the whole season. I mean, if San Fran gets on a roll with Garoppolo and they're winning games, they're not going to do what, they did with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua last year to make a switch for the ba- for the sake of making a switch, which seemed to surprise just about everyone on the team. So the outcomes for Trey Lance, I think, are you know, you know, there's a, there's a wide range of outcomes for him. Justin Fields, I think, seems to be the be more of a safer bet uh, as to when he's going to get in there. But irrespective of that. If you're taking one of these young rookie quarterbacks who have upside, who could get in there and 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 have rushing touchdowns and all of that sort of thing, um, which they do if they get in there, you want to have a steadier guy. I mean, I just don't think you want to have, you know, your two quarterbacks leaving a draft as Jalen Hurts and uh, Justin Fields. I, I think you know or or. Um, or, or Zach Wilson and, and Jalen Hurts. I think you just want to have a steadier guy 
and then you can have one of these quarterbacks or upside. So I understand what you you know the the difficulty of it and trying to rank them separately. But whichever one you've planned your flag on as far as drafting, I think you need to have a steady guy that you could count on on a week in week out basis. Yeah, but the other thing that I'm struggling with is what does it mean for the players on the rest of the team, right? Like so, in other words, Mac Jones is the quarter. Let's say Mac Jones wins the job. What's the impact on Aguilar? What's the impact on those tight ends? What's the impact on Najee Harris as opposed to as opposed to if Cam Newton is under center? And I'm struggling a little bit to actually put my finger on where I think players from all those teams I kind of mentioned until I actually know what's going to happen at quarterback. Yeah, well, that that is definitely true. I, I think where that is more prominent, I think, is in San Francisco where I think Ayuk and, and, and Debo Samuel really would get an upgrade um, if Trey Lance got in there. Now, I, I don't know how you would do that because the draft is going to happen the first week of September, and there's just almost no way that the 49ers announced that Trey Lance is their starting quarterback on draft day. So you, you may have to just you know hope it happens and, and take the wait-and-see approach and, and, and hope that Trey Lance gets in there. But as far as value of the position players, wide receivers and running backs. Uh, I think that if you draft any skilled players on the Patriots and 49ers, especially you want the rookie to get in there. I think their value would progress as the season goes on. Um, I think it's a risky proposition for Trey Lance and uh, Maggie Jones, you're just not quite sure what's going to happen. And then trying to predict what Belichick is going to do, um, even when he had a veteran-laden team about, you know, different positions was always always difficult. So I, I think in those two situations, um, I think those are the ones where it would it, the, the skilled players, especially in wide receiver, would get an uptick if uh, Mac Jones and Trey Lance got in there uh, to quarterback those teams. And how about the places where we're talking about two veterans, right? So in New Orleans, you got Taysom Hill and you got Winston, even though Taysom Hill is kind of – I wouldn't call he's not a rookie, but he's certainly new to the position as a as an NFL player. Uh, and then in in Denver, where you have Locke and and Bridgewater, do you see those situations as being a little bit tricky to rank the rest of the personnel uh, on those offenses? Yeah, I think I think they are tricky. Uh, you know, you have to. I'm you know I'm not sure in my in my mind, I'm not going to do anything up or down as far as, you know, looking at it with the four, with the Saints skill players. I don't care who they announce as the quarterback. I, you know, those existing players, Kamara is what he is. He's elite. You know, I'm not going to move him up or down, really, even though his numbers were not great with Taysom Hill, but I'm not going to move him down. And the skill players, uh, Callaway, Traquan Smith, uh, you know, Troutman. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna really move them up or down based on the on the quarterback. Um, the 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 Denver situation, I think, is interesting uh, because <clears throat> I don't know what direction they're gonna go, but it just seems like um, Drew Locke is an inconsistent quarterback, and um, he may not he may he may not be on the same page with the Jerry Judy. Uh, if he was in there um, and, you know, I don't know what the health of Cortland Sutton is. So the Denver one, I think is, is a little bit tricky. Well, I think the same players um, because of the greatness of Kamara and the, you know, average play, I guess, of Traquan Smith 
and Callaway. Uh, I'm not going to move up either any of those players up or down, but I think the Denver situation is is a, you know something to keep your eye on. Okay, awesome, Wiz. So what else is yeah, on your, and, what, um, what else is on your mind, Wiz, in terms of challenging? I, you know, I, yeah, going into this, I, I'm looking at the running back position, and I'm looking at when you get to the running back that the running backs that are borderline running back to flex plays in standard leagues. Uh, I have a you know a, another fairly large group of like seven eight players on this list, like Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskins, Chase Edmonds, James Robinson, Zach Moss, Damian Harris, Ryan Mostert, and Kareem Hunt. And you know Kareem Hunt is interesting because unlike the other players that I mentioned, Kareem Hunt is clearly the number two guy. But that being said. He is the number two guy who has more ability than any of those other players and is on a team that wants to run the ball. So I'm looking at those group of that group of running backs where you're getting on the fringe of like timeshare guys, the guys who figure to be the lead guy and how you figure that all out. To me, it's a big headache and uh, it's an issue. Uh, coming to the draft that, you know, you, those guys are going to be available um, in a snake draft and then an auction draft, they're going to come up and trying to decipher who's ahead of who on what list entails in, in, in a lot of things, you know, entails of uh, game flow, who's going to get the carries, what does the coaching staff think of the team, uh, it, you know, who's a better pass catcher, who's a better blocker. I just feel like this is a group that is difficult at least for, for me, to try and rank and feel confident about who's at the top of that list and who's at the bottom of that list because there are a lot of mitigating factors regarding that group of players. And, uh, you know, part of me feels like, okay, Kareem Hunt is just the safest one because he's the number two guy, but it's a competent offense. It's a team that may be winning games and they want to run the ball. So what do you think about that that group as it gets to, you know, Right around running back 20, the tail end of running back two slash flex play. Yeah, it's just funny. You know, again, we, we don't talk about what we're going to talk about when we do this. So I have that exact scenario. I, I, I have I had it broken into teams more than actually players, but it really fits what you're talking about. You know, I had Las Vegas written down. I had Jacksonville written down. Uh, I had Denver written down. I had Miami written down. Arizona, San Fran, Buffalo. Just trying to get a gauge of, of and I agree with you on, on your Kareem Hunt assessment because he's standalone value regardless. And I think it is trickier because I'm not quite sure that the reins are going to be completely handed. And I don't think they will be in any way, shape, or form in Arizona with Chase Edmonds and James Conner. I, I, I'm seeing in rankings, Wiz, I'm seeing Travis Etienne ranked higher than James Robinson on a lot of these draft boards. Uh, surprise by that. You know, there's a lot of talk about Melvin Gordon's role, although there's some reports that came out last week that he's clearly running as the number one guy in, in this offense still. Um, Las Vegas, yeah, I've spoken, you know, aggressively about the Raiders, their play calling. They also they also ripped up that really talented offensive line, and Kenyon Drake is, in, in you know, in the backfield now with Josh Jacobs, who, you know, last year at times, Devontae Booker looked like the better running back. So, 
Yeah, I'm right with you on those that particular group. I think San Fran's one that I have a very careful eye on only because San Fran wants to run the football and in the Kyle Shanahan offense, that's a successful part of what they try and do. So I am watching that. So yeah, you, you pick a group of guys. I think there are a lot of question marks within that. I think it's going to be beauty in the eye of the beholder. I can see a scenario, even though Miles Gaskin was a really good performer on the fantasy stage last year, would I be surprised that Malcolm Brown ends up being the better running back for fantasy purposes this year? No, I would not. He's a different type of player. He's he's a stronger player. So yeah, th- that that group of players, I'm I'm watching very closely. I, I'd almost say that Daryl Henderson to me, Wiz, you didn't mention him, but given the c- scenario that he's now in on that offense, you know, I might like a player like him more than some of those guys actually you mentioned in that next group where he's kind of ranked between that twenty and thirty level. But you could make the case that he has a stronger path for fantasy success in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I didn't put Henderson on that list because just of that thought. I mean, I, I just think, like, he's got a clear advantage <clears throat> over the rest of that running back room in uh, in with the Rams. So I, I didn't put him in that list because I just feel like he's more of a, I feel, a safer bet uh, at running back, too. I think I put him, like, with kind of like the Mike Davises of the world where, you know, they have the clear path and they're going to get I, I think with these other players that we've been talking about here the last couple of minutes, uh, I just feel there's a lot of question marks. And, yeah, certainly I could have put in the Denver guys as well. I, I will uh, say this, Wiz. One thing I am feeling more and more confident of is Damian Harris in this New England offense. I would say that player, uh, in my eyes, is probably one of the most misranked players. I just... It feels to me that this is da- – and I think one of the things that pushes people away from Damian Harris is the fact that he didn't catch any footballs last year. But I'm going to say it feels like he's got more momentum behind him in terms of really doing uh, a lot of work on the ground for the New England Patriots this year. I don't, I don't disagree with that, but what concerns me is, you know, the Patriots offering, you know, James White to come back. Like, I don't I don't feel if the game flow and the game script is has the Patriots, you know, trailing – uh, or, you know, second and long and third and long, that, that James White's going to be standing next to Belichick on the sidelines. I, I think he's going to be in there. So <clears throat> that's why he is on this list. Uh, he, in my view, is the best runner on that team. I think, you know, the injuries to Sony Michelle and, um, the you know, James White's older and he's, he's better in the, in the, in the pass-catching game. So that's why I have Harris on the list. But I do not have the same level of confidence as you do about Damian Harris. I think he's square in that group of players, and I am having a tough time with it. I just feel like uh, Bill Belichick has fooled the fantasy football community um, often, and uh, I'm not you know, trusting that they're just going to give him uh, the keys to the kingdom there in New England. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a fair fair point. I, you know, sticking with running backs was one thing that I've kind of been going back and forth with a lot and and really trying to parse through it. Uh, and and we talked about we talk about number 2 running backs that have standalone value and then we talk about you know, kind of handcuffs or second running backs that that actually when given the opportunity uh, can really produce significantly in terms of fantasy production. And I'm kind of going back and forth and trying to formulate my group there. Uh, I'm having some difficulty, but it's starting to become more clear about, you know, handcuffs slash second running backs without standalone value who I'm kind of looking at. And I would I would put guys like where players are consistently missing games, right? Like, so I look at a player like Chris Carson, who's 
almost hurt every single year, missing a few games. And I think that elevates a guy like Rashad Penny, in my eyes, to a guy that is not standalone value in fantasy, but if given the opportunity in the situation, it, you know, he's coming back from that injury. You know, he played a little bit at the end of last year. You know, he's one of those players that kind of stands out to me that is a second runner that actually, when given the opportunity, if something happens up front with the number one runner, uh, I can see uh, not, a, not a big digression from, from performance. I would actually even argue that a player like Latavius Murray, what's, what's going on with, with New Orleans, he might be moving because I think New Orleans might be running the football a lot more. Could we, looking, look, could we be looking at a situation where Latavius Murray probably has to be moved up a little higher in draft boards as a result of you know, maybe having more standalone value? So I'm kind of going back and forth with a lot of these second running backs. I mentioned Malcolm Brown. I, I would say, you know, I know it's a slam dunk at this point in time. We feel like Mike Davis is going to be the guy, but a guy that you've been intrigued with before, and, and that's Allison in Atlanta, and we know that Arthur Smith likes big backs. He's a guy that I keep coming back to as well as potentially having some real value in this fantasy season. Yeah, I mean, there were two interesting signings uh, over the last few days. You know, when you thought about the Giants situation, you thought, okay, you know, Definitely, definitely um, Saquon Barkley, and the, you know the lock handcuff for that is going to be Devin Booker. But then the Giants just went and signed, and signed Alfred Morris, who you know it's, during spurts played played well. And you have to worry is he going to vulture touchdowns? And then, and another one that I, I was kind of surprised I had to do a double take on. It seems Devontae Freeman <clears throat> met with the Saints, and in 15 minutes they they signed him. Um, so I'm not sure. What that means, I've heard all kinds of crazy rumors where they're going to throw the ball a lot more to Kamara in terms of actually playing Kamara and Murray together, Kamara and Devontae Freeman together, and put put Kamara out in pass patterns in the slot as a wide receiver. Could that be just talk? Could that be nonsense? Could it be true? Yeah, I think all of the above is possible. So uh, I thought those were two interesting sightings and. uh I thought the fantasy football world and the NFL had forgotten about Devontae Freeman, but the Saints were not messing around. He came yeah. in there and they signed him right away. Yeah, very good points. I think very, very good points. So, I mean, I, again, situations that that need to be watched. I, I would say this, Wiz, there's one thing that I've kind of determined here, and I'm a Giant fan, but I'm I, I'm looking at a no no giants on my fantasy teams this year. I feel that we have a situation uh, and the reports have been coming out of camp about how terrible Daniel Jones looks. Uh, I'm scared to death of Kenny Galladay as much as I love the receiver about his potential here. You mentioned uh, the discussion around, uh, around the running game and how they're going to use Barkley. I'm very, and, and I think the division has improved completely. The NFC East. I know what the Giants did; they were competitive last year. I know their defense played well, but I'm actually, and, I, and I'm not talking about this because of what Kelvin Benjamin had to say on the way out the door uh, about Joe Judge or anything like that. I, I'm very concerned as a Giant fan. Maybe it's my Giant fan, you know, coming out here. But to me, right now, the Giants. I, I'm kind of hands off on the Giants. I've made that kind of decision here in the last couple of weeks. I don't know that I want too much equity at all in fantasy football for the New York Giants this year. Yeah, I can understand um, the hesitancy with that. I mean, this is such a crucial year for Daniel Jones. I mean, you know, this year and next year, I mean, this is going to be the difference whether 
the Giants would offer him a second contract, or if the Giants, we look at the draft a quarterback next year. So, you know, they got him the surrounding talent, assuming, you know, that Barkley is able to stay healthy. Um, so this is a crucial year. I understand it. Um, you know, I, I part of me really wants to draft Kenny Galladay because I think his value has taken such a beating. But we'll have to, you know, I'm going to have to take the wait-and-see approach and see what that actually looks like when it comes on my drafts. Uh, but, yeah, I've not been a uh, Daniel Jones fan, as you know, and I've not been an England fan. And uh, so I, I, you know, it's there's, a, there's a, ch- a very good chance that I'll be joining you and not having any uh, Giants or maybe more than one here or there on my uh, fantasy football team as well. Okay. All right. Good. I, I guess one other thing was uh, that's really been nagging at me as well. I don't understand, and maybe it's because I, I don't know, I, I do have a little bit of affinity for him. I know he out-targeted the player. He, he, he out-targeted the guy that's definitely going for more money in auction drafts and definitely is going earlier in snake drafts. But I can't understand the dispersion between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. To me, it gets wider and wider. I don't understand it. They they paid they paid Tyler Lockett a lot of money to stay here. I feel that the division in those two players, when it comes to fantasy, is too wide. And I think I think everybody's got that wrong. That's my opinion. Uh, do you agree with what I'm saying, or do you think it merits that Metcalf should be taken at a much higher level and paid for more in an auction draft than a Tyler Lockett? Yeah, I think it's got to do with um, the the. In some in some ways, I just think it has it has more to do with the personality of the players. I think like if DK Metcalf to, to put it in like a different profession analogy, like if DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett were two up and coming comedians, and they you know at at a you know a big you know nightclub or uh, where up and coming comedians were, were you know made, uh, and they wanted to call up. Both, both of those guys to come up on stage. I think DK Metcalf is the type that would just run up on stage and Tyler Lockett would be the guy that would like, you know, drift off to the shadows and maybe say, you know, I need a little bit more time. It's just, it's just the personality of the two guys. I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't see the disparity. I think both of them are, are rock solid. I just think like because of the size of, of Metcalf and that play he made, uh, against Arizona last year, um, you know, after the interception, tracking him down, you know, with the eighty coming coming down from like twenty yards behind and 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 saving a touchdown. I think it's those big splash and his type of personality and uh, that I think lends itself. But in terms of you know the reality of it, uh, I agree with you. I think they're a lot closer than uh, they're they're looked at and projected coming season. Okay, good stuff. Uh, the other thing was that th- this one has got me really bad. I'm going to tell you, um, defense. Uh, th- I will say for the first time in a long time, I, I am so uncomfortable uh, in ranking defenses and have so little confidence in actually paying a lot of attention to it, almost like adhering to I'm just going to stream this thing this year. 
so I've kind of I've kind of lost faith in the defense. But not to say that it's not important, and it is important. But there's a lot more to me feeling that this is a year where streaming may become may become your best option as opposed to honing in on a particular defense. I'm kind of struggling with it. I see some of those elite defenses who've lost a lot of talent. Uh, schedule's a little bit more difficult. So I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to be hitching my wagon and paying a lot of money in auction leagues or paying up earlier or drafting earlier for a defense in a snake draft. Uh, I have a lot less confidence in the defenses being elite, especially as the rules have continued to change and, I've, and as offense becomes a bigger part of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think to that point, you know, the, it's the usual suspects. Um you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the world, even though they've lost some key players and their 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 offense isn't as good and they're not going to be on top of teams up by 10, 14 points in the fourth quarter. So that's something to look at. And, yeah, I just feel like there are a bunch of these defenses that you could stream – um, kind of, kind of mess around with a couple of defenses and 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 you know mix and match during the season, then spending an early pick in a snake draft or spending you know more than a, a dollar or two or three on a, on a defense. I think you know there there are other defenses out there that are probably not looked at as a top three to five defense. That at the end of the day will be very close to, in terms of fantasy football points to those defenses. So. I think the philosophy is right with what you're saying. Okay, great. All right, excellent. All right, anything else on on your mind, Wiz, in terms of you're having – I have one more. I don't know if you have any more. No, that was it. I, You know, that group of quarterbacks and that group of, of, you know, running back two slash flex, those were the two groups of players – that I was having a real headache with and I'm still having a headache with, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that and then hopefully there'll be clarity as it gets closer. So what's the, what's the last thing that you wanted to go over regarding that? Yeah. So the last one that I have in mind is, is what strategy am I going to employ when it comes to tight end? Am I drafting one of those top three, four five guys that I just can lock those players in every single week and sleep very well? Or am I going to deal with the headache of just kind of playing games maybe with a Blake Jarwin and, I don't know, uh, Tyler Higby, for example. What is my strategy going to be at tight end? And I, I kind of go back and forth on it because obviously drafting a guy like Kelsey, Waller, uh, Kittle, I would say, you know, Hawkinson is getting close to that point, and we know Kyle Pitts is going to be an attractive guy this year in drafts. Or do I just play games on the streaming side, you know, with guys ranked in kind of the 15th to 20th, where some of those guys I do think have a lot of upside. I'm struggling, and what strategy should I be employing in leagues? I think I'll probably do some leagues where I play around with the streaming aspect, and in some leagues I'm going to pay up to get one of those elite guys. Uh, Are you kind of thinking about tight end the same way? I mean, look, in a perfect fantasy world, fantasy football world, we, we all have to, we all, it'll be wonderful if we have to set it and forget it, guys. Like, okay, I got Darren Waller, I got George Kittle, I got Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, they're my tight end every week. I don't care who they're playing, where they're playing, how they're playing, if they're going to be double team, triple team, you, you, you're starting those guys. Um you know, and then you have the next group, you know, Kyle Pitts and Hawkinson and, and Andrews. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I, don't mind, I don't mind either of the strategies. Like, I don't mind drafting a set it and forget it guy, and I do not mind 
saying, okay, those guys were picked early, and now there's a lot of guys that we've talked about that we like at the position, and I'm going to wait and wait and wait and get value by by drafting a, a tight end later. So the way that I am going to handle that position in my draft is I'm just going to let it play out and see and let the draft dictate my strategy as opposed to my strategy dictating the draft. In other words, if somebody wants to get out of line and draft a Kyle Pitts, you know, much earlier than he should go, I'm going to be okay with that. I'll get value. Uh, if I'm in a situation where I feel, you know, uh, uh, Darren Waller or George Kittle is just a, a standout player to be taken in the, Whoever I'm picking, the third round at that spot, then I'll then I'll take him. I'll, I'm not going to worry about the position. Uh, what we've talked about, I'm okay. And if I have to draft two of those guys, um, a you know a Blake Jawin and an Irv Smith, and I'm not having to use an early pick on either of those guys, and you know I'll mix and match, and I'll just see how it plays out. And if one guy is in that in that tight end one group, you know, as the season progresses, okay, then I'll play him every single week. I, I'm not going to worry about the position. I'm going to let uh, the flow of the draft dictate my strategy regarding tight end uh, in these fantasy drafts. Okay, excellent. You know, it's interesting. I'll, this is my last point, and uh, you know, I found a couple of years ago, if you remember, both of us were kind of on the same page when it came to Dar- Darren Waller. He was kind of an unknown commodity, and I'm not asking you to give me a particular player at this juncture. But I would ask you, do you do you think there's a player out there right now that that players are, I don't know fantasy players are not looking at that could kind of do what Waller did a couple of years ago where he exploded onto the stage of fantasy football? Is there a player out there at the tight end position that could do that in your eyes? I'm not asking you for the player. You don't have to give them yeah, to me. You know, I, I, I think you know, I think that is. And I don't mind answering it specifically. I, I mean, I really think. T.J. Hawkinson is just set up. I just feel the the you know it's it's just the you know it's just, it's just set up. The team figures to be trailing. The other receivers are not experienced, and I I just feel the comfort level that's going to develop between Goff and Hawkinson, which apparently it has already, where several beat writers are just saying, wow, you know, Hawkinson's in the class by himself regarding this, you know, the, the skilled players, uh, pass catchers on, on the Lions. And uh, I don't think that's a surprise, but yeah, I, I think TJ Hawkinson can really, if he could stay healthy, um, be the player that, um, the Lions thought they had when they drafted him. Not that he hasn't been a very good player, but I, I think he could challenge some of those guys that are, are ranked uh, ahead of him um, and 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 be very very close to uh, you know a top three finish at the at the tight end position. So he's the guy, volume and talent and um, just the the situation that he's in uh, lends itself where I just uh, have tremendous expectations for T.J. Hawkinson this year. All right. There you have it, folks. Very good, Wiz. All right. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Very enjoyable discussion, as always. Terrific insight, Wiz. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Again, make sure you're subscribing. Uh, We'll continue to be putting material out uh, over the course, especially over the next few weeks. Uh, Be on the lookout. It's going to keep coming. So, Wiz, excellent job, as always, and I wish you a good rest of your day. Yeah, you do the same. Thanks.